Winona Ryder, Ethan Hawke, Ben Stiller. He's strange, he's sloppy. Friends shouldn't be lovers. I can't believe I haven't stuck with him yet. Because reality bites. Rated PG-13. Starts Friday, February 18th at theaters everywhere. Uh, welcome back to the show. Everybody. Welcome back. We had a little week off. We did. We did. Thank you for sticking with us mm-hmm. for a uh, unintended little break. Mm-hmm. But um, we're back here with a really fun movie. It's good to be talking about this movie. I've been wanting to do this for a while. I mean, yeah, this movie's great. Love it. What are we going to do? Uh, well, everybody out there listening, my name is Pete. And I'm Scott. And, and these, these are, are the, the movies, movies that, that made, made us gay. gay. Yes, indeed. So we had a Instagram vote a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. we had a little hole in the schedule. And we wanted to talk about Janine Garofalo. Yes. So we had Love a story face-off of two Janine Garofalo movies mm-hmm. that uh, we both Love. I mean, Reality Bites and The Truth About Cats and Dogs. Reality Bites won by a landslide. It did. It Mm -hmm. did. It won by a big margin. (laughs) I like both movies. We were kind of concerned. We didn't know which one was going to take it. I kind of thought it was going to be close. You did. You thought Mm -hmm. it was going to be very close. It started close. close. Yeah. So we appreciate all of the followers that really stand hard for Truth About Cats and Dogs. Mm -hmm. We will get to it eventually. Yes. Yes, we absolutely will get to it. I mean, it's a it is a classic. It may not be. I mean, it's definitely the underdog, if you will. I mean, it but. definitely informed uh, my future in podcasting too. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I definitely is this, always like, wanted to be. Host. I definitely always wanted to be Abby from Truth <laughs> by Cats and Dogs that had like a ra- a radio show. Yeah, yeah. And I right. guess this is the closest that I've. Got. <laughs> hey, we're sitting. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not in a booth. This is not. Uh, this is not. Carrie Bradshaw and uh, and just like that with this yeah. professional mm-hmm. podcast in like an office building, but I mean, hey, we we got a good little I setup. Think we're closer to yep. Doctor Abby Barnes, mm-hmm. <laughs> but that did not win. The truth about cats and dogs, you know, it was our Janine Garofalo like roundup. We wanted to do a Janine movie, and what we ended up doing is skipping a week between two Winona movies. This is very true. Not on, <laughs> like, that was not intentional, Un- too. Unintentional, mm-hmm. like, mini Winona Film Festival. And you know, Jeanine Garofalo, I mean, a part of the ladies, the first ladies of the movies that made us gay, because she appeared in our very first episode. Yes. Where we talked about yes. Heather Mooney and Romy and Michelle. <laughs> she is yep. Heather Mooney. So it's Mooney? like her, Lisa Kudrow, Mira Sorvino are yeah. just very yeah. special actresses connected to this podcast. Yes, definitely. And um, yeah, so we put the vote out there. The listeners chimed in. Our uh, our Instagram followers, thank you so much if you are mm-hmm. on Instagram and you participate. we got to do the, the vote. votes more. It's we, fun to do the, it. It's fun to do an actor or an actress in sort yeah, of face-off, face-off. movies. Yeah, kind of yeah, like yeah. what we did with Kirsten Dunst mm-hmm, a few mm-hmm. years ago. The Kiki one was amazing. Yeah, that was that like was a huge that was a lot of work. We had yeah. like a we had like an Excel like sheet for that. Sheets going on. <laughs> this is just two movies, but um, I mean Janine is like she's so cool. She's my she is my all time. She's like my coolest like older sister, I'm a comedy icon. I just want to have lunch with Janine like once a. Year. Do you remind me a little bit of Janine Garofalo? Oh, well, of the little I that mean, I know about just Janine as a 
person. Sure. She reminds me of you. I would, I would enjoy um, having a meal with Janine and sitting down and um, not even catching up. I feel like we wouldn't need to catch up because mm-hmm. she's, you know, she's a very private person. But I feel like we would indeed talk about uh, things that we both mutually dislike. Yeah. Um, things that people are wearing, uh, the music industry, mm-hmm. what have you. <laughs> so, but you know, we I love Janine. Ended up, uh, Reality Bites won the vote. Yes. So Reality Reality Bites, a little, uh, Mm -hmm. some kind of, some housekeeping directed by Ben Stiller, written by Helen Childress, released February 18th, 1994, an early 94 movie. Yes. Mm -hmm. It's very early 94. Uh, You know, that's the thing about this movie. It is very, it's sort of quintessentially 90s, right? Mm -hmm. Um, It is very quintessentially Generation X. Mm-hmm. Even though uh, I think Ben Stiller and Janine Garofalo are very, very much on the cusp of that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think Janine was probably around 28 when she made this movie mm-hmm. playing a 21-year-old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, And I think that yeah. she said in interviews of that, like, she likes the experience of making Reality Bites, but she said it never connected to her as it does most people that come up to her right, and she right. thinks that it's just the age difference right, of right. how old she was when she made it. Mm-hmm. She, and she often says in, in her act and in interviews and all that, when people say that you're like this Gen X poster girl and she, she often says that she's probably a little too old to be generation X at all, which would, does that make Janine Garofalo a boomer? I guess, mm-hmm. you know, do we have to put labels on each and every person? Yeah, exactly. And that's Not sort of my thing of when people <laughs> get really defensive about being a millennial, being a boomer. Yeah. Ge- Generation X just sort of sitting in the corner, like yeah. not having it. I'm somebody that I, I just know that we're just all people <laughs> and we just relate to, yeah. we just relate to certain things differently. And kind of when I revisit a movie like this, cause mm-hmm. this is a movie that I, I revisit it every few years. Mm-hmm. What really struck me on this viewing is of course it is quintessential generation X. Mm-hmm. Like you can't escape that. But I think that what makes this movie work is that it's also just a really great movie about young people. Yeah. That I think that regardless of where you fall on that spectrum, mm-hmm. you can walk away from this movie still relating to it. Right, right. Uh, is this movie kind of a template for something like Friends? Sure. You know, which mm-hmm. jumps on the scene a year later. And I want to even say that, uh, is it Martha Kaufman? Marta Kaufman. Marta yeah. Kaufman, I mean, she wrote the role of Monica for Janine. Right, right. Soft Famously, yeah. and they offered it to her, and yeah. she said no. So it would have been a very different character if it if it stuck with with Janine, but I think it would have been you know f- still funny and and great. Um, yeah, that's such an interesting like idea of just like this world where where Janine was like, sure, I'll do a sitcom. And we and it lasted. And we talked about it on our Scream episode, but there's something about Courtney Cox and Janine Garofalo that supposedly Scream came across Janine to be Gail Weathers. To be Gail Weathers, sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I think Hollywood works a lot with aesthetics, and it's like yeah. while they are both dark-haired... Brunette women. Yeah. Raven beauties. They are still a very different type when you get down to it. Yeah. um, I mean, Janine in this role as Vicky, any role that Janine jumps into, she's going to immediately kind of make it her own and kind of turn it into a Janine Garofalo Mm -hmm. type. Not to say that she doesn't have range, but to say that her 
her type and her comedy and her brand is so specific yeah. and just so I don't know it's uh, it, it's great it, this character of Vicky in this movie we're we're gonna talk about it a lot more but it's just like that was something that in high school in 1994 I watched this movie and I'm just like oh my god this is the coolest person yeah on earth and mm-hmm. yeah same just like her one day um. Yeah, 94. When did you first see this? Obviously not in theaters. Obviously not in theaters. (laughs) So this was a movie that I grew up big Winona writer and Ethan Hawke. Yeah. I'm big fans of their work when I was in high school and in junior high. Mm -hmm. And this was a movie that I always knew of the poster, of looking it up Mm -hmm. on Yahoo Movies. Is it a chalkboard? I think that they're in front of a chalkboard chalkboard? or something. Yeah. Yeah. and our video store, none of our video stores in the town that I grew up in had this movie. Uh-huh. Like, we had a good handful of video stores in our small town. None of them had a Is fucking it just copy of, of Reality Bites. I don't think so. I think it was just... They just didn't have a copy of this movie. I mean, sure. it is a universal movie. Yeah. So yeah. you would think that any of these places would have it, but they didn't. Mm-hmm. So I had to wait until... Netflix that I got wow. this movie and I watched it when I was probably a senior in high school, mm-hmm. which is about mm-hmm. a perfect age yeah. to introduce someone to this movie and yeah. have them respond to it because yeah. I was just finishing up high school. It's just sort of about finishing up uh, your education and going on with your life. I mean, right. I was finishing up high school, so not college age like these characters. But, still, yeah. but I remember really taking... Matriculating. Yeah, but I remember yeah. really taking to it. Mm-hmm. And... I remember when I was moving into the dorms at MSU, I found a copy of the DVD that we just watched last night Mm -hmm. at Costco. Ah, And I bought it. Love it. And I watched... It was probably one of the first movies that I watched moving into the dorms. Okay. Cool. Mm -hmm. And it's the 10th anniversary. This disc is the 10th anniversary. We've had many anniversaries of our copy of Reality (laughs) Bites. Yes, indeed. We're coming up. Which I'm glad that I still have it because this is not... uh, This is not free... For streaming, you have no, to buy it. Yeah, you mm-hmm. you will have to buy this if or rent it if you want to watch Reality Bites today. Although it is a, a mainstay of cable television, mm-hmm. basic cable. But television. yeah, I remember like I loved this disc. I loved uh, watching it with the commentary too. Mm-hmm. I've never seen it with the commentary. I was watching. I a little never bit owned, of it. I never owned it. So. I was watching yeah. a little bit of it before we hopped on the recording. I mean, the big question is: Do you need on the commentary? No, Ugh. she should so, be though. I mean, come on, she should be. So when did you so I, first watch I this saw movie? this in the theater? Okay, I was very high, cool. I was in high school. I was a uh, love a, that a sophomore in high school, and um, no, I would have been a junior by February of two thousand four. And um, I went with friends. I had I had made some some lady friends in summer school, and um, it wasn't with the SP. No, was it? it was okay. not. It was not with SBR. Should have been with SB. Romeo and Juliet. It yep. should have been, but it wasn't. It was with some. I know SB loves this movie. She does. She does. Um, and I just remember. I this may have been my very first uh, kind of introduction to Janine, but I know that she was in the Ben Stiller show, and my sister and I were aware of the Ben Stiller show. Was your sister into Larry Sanders? Uh, yeah, but we didn't have HBO at okay. the time. She became a fan of Larry Sanders kind of after the fact. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, we were aware of the Ben, of the Ben Stiller show. Shut up, Apple Watch. And, um, I just remember all my thoughts about Janine were that she was just this 
amazing voice and comedy that everything she said, I was just like, mm-hmm. you know, on the edge of my seat. This movie also has Winona. We've talked about Winona. And 90s my, icon. And myself and my sister just kind of really latching onto her and, and all of her work. And just she's, you know, she's great. She's 90s icon. And this movie has Ethan Hawke. Yeah. Right? Well, I, we'll, so, we'll get into a little Ethan Hawke so, section, too. Yeah, I want to so talk about him. me, you know, I... He's Dead Poet Society. He's mm-hmm. Explorers. And I'm just like, oh, my God. He's like, he's gorgeous. So I'm there for this movie for like every aspect of it, right? Seeing the theater, love it in the theater, just feeling like the comedy and the script was just so fresh, right? Yeah. Everything was just... It's how stuff like TV is written now. First mm-hmm. scene of the movie. It's not even a scene of the movie. It's opening credits. They're all of the them roof. on the top of the building. They're on yeah. the roof of a building. It's literally moments after they've graduated college. And, you know, Ginny Garofalo says, the only thing I learned in college is my social security number. And it's like, as a 15-year-old, I'm sitting in the theater thinking... That is so smart. That is so clever. So smart. And a line that I I thought was funny when I was 17 years old when watching it. But uh, (laughs) that line really started to sink in once I went to college. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And I was thinking, too. I was like, am I going to need my social security number? Because very quickly, you will memorize that number when you're a freshman. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, um, you know, this kind of was a precursor to Friends. It was a precursor to... The real world. Sure. No, not a precursor. Well, I mean, to the it, was world. Developed, the real world was it was developed. She was yeah. Helen Childress was yes. writing the script yes. around the time the real. And world I came think out. the thing was too when you see it and you finally do see the end of the movie and what and what they do, you're just like, oh, okay, I get it. They're capitalizing on that. Um, but yeah, the real world was supposedly fresh. working title of the movie was the real world. Yeah, you know, I don't know if that's we'll, true, but we'll I've get, read it. Yeah, we'll get uh, we'll get the fact checkers on that, but. Um, you know, yeah, I was just blown away by how, you know, the comedy in this movie was so smart, so quick. And then also it had those kind of people in it like Troy, like um, Vicky, who if you knew those kind of people and you knew those people existed, you knew exactly what they were doing and you knew exactly what kind of people they were. If you didn't, you were just like, whoa, those are quirky people. Like, mm-hmm. she's kind of funny. She dresses crazy. But, like, I knew those people. Like, yeah, same. People that lived like that and, mm-hmm. and girls that wore platforms in the mid... In the early mid '90s, I definitely knew girls that had the lunchbox purse. And the lunchbox purse. Yep. They're with the band. You know, mm-hmm. they're just constantly. They're with the band. They know the. Ba- they don't. They're not paying the cover. They're with the band. You know, and they've got the the little teeny Betty Bang. And it's like the little teeny Betty Bangs became something where just like ordinary girls like got their hair cut like that in like the later '90s. But at that point, that was a risk. Yeah. It was a fashion risk. You looked like a kind of a kooky person and it's like, "Ooh, is is it is it Riot Girl with 3 Rs mm-hmm. and no I?" Um, you know, and the thrift store clothing and the kooky 70s aesthetic. I mean, even uh even Troy, to an extent, has a very like seventies aesthetic. About gets all of his, his gets fashion. like sort of bowling shirts at the thrift store. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And so, I mean, that went on to become like again 
random kids emulating the style. But at that time, it was very, you know, it's very avant-garde. These are very, these are the cool kids. I mean, I grew up, I always talk about growing up in a small town, but I mean, I guess that everything gets to rule America pretty late. But when my, when my sisters were young in Mm. the mid to late Mm nineties, I mean, they definitely did shit like that. Yeah. So it was just sort of like, Trickling down to yeah. just like the rest of America. Yes. What yes. everyone cool was doing in the early 90s. Yeah. And I mean, even Lainey to an extent. This is not, Lainey is not the Winona Ryder character. She's not just kind of like, she is an all American girl, but she's not exactly like shopping out of like the Delia's catalog, like mm-hmm. with her, her doily dress later on. I would like she to, wears, like, I think that Winona brought that dress to set. I'm sure she yep, did. You that, know? that definitely looks like her, her, her style. And when she goes on her first date with Michael, Mm-hmm. Benson, when she goes on her first date with Michael, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But even that outfit, it's just like a very like a loosey goosey kind of mm-hmm. cardigan and just like a, a button up front, like kind of a shirt dress kind of a thing. And like, again, like a chunky shoe, very, you know, and this haircut. Lainey is still very much like this indie cool girl, too. Mm-hmm. So it's like the only person and we haven't even talked about him yet. I I want to talk about Steve Zahn. Oh, we'll get into him. <laughs> I was definitely the Steve Zahn his, his of, wardrobe of my friend group. I maybe not wasn't. I maybe didn't quite dress as square as this yeah, character, <laughs> but definitely I was. I was this person. Yeah, but again, this is another reason that this movie is so kind of refreshing, especially to teenagers, young people at the time. There's a gay character in this movie. Character in this movie that we don't really find out explicitly that he's gay for a while. I mean. They say it in the Do they say opening very early, credits. Early on? She says, "If we can get at least two oh, women yeah. on the Supreme Court justice, we can get you, at least one on you, Sammy." But you could also take it to be like he's just unlucky with sure with the ladies, mm-hmm. right? But later on in the movie, they do explicitly state he is gay and he has a coming out journey. Kind of and- things that I think were in the original script mm-hmm. that when Ben Stiller came on board, he chose to make the focus on. The two other guys. So they right. sort of had to pare down mm-hmm. Vicky and Sammy. That right. It's there in the movie. Yeah, yeah. But I think that it's something in the script, in the original script, that they might yeah. go into a little more. But it, but it is yep. there. And especially for a movie of this time yeah. period, it's so, like, eye-opening and just another reason for kids or for, like, gay kids or for anybody to kind of, like, latch on to this and be like... I want to be friends with these people. They are the coolest people on Earth. This is the first time I ever heard... Don't Bogart that anything, and but in regards to like, in regards to like smoking, yeah, um, that's the first time I'd ever heard that. Mm-hmm. If I could bottle the sexual tension between Bonnie Franklin and Schneider, I could solve the energy crisis. Excuse me, don't Bogart that can, man. I mean, she's saying it kind of as a joke, but mm-hmm. still, it's like. Not being part of like stoner culture at like fifteen, I was just like, okay, that's hilarious. Um, and I think that we've talked about this before when we've watched it, but just sort of the scenes like that of uh, bottling the the sexual tension of between Bonnie Franklin and Schneider uh, from from one day at a time, one day at a time yeah. of just sort of these pop culture references that you don't really see a lot in movies. Yeah, before this, yeah. Uh, first of all, sidebar, 
it is hilarious to refer to them as Bonnie Franklin and Schneider and not like Mrs. Romano. But I feel like, like that's how that's we so, would that's how you would But I feel say like it. that's how you would say it. Yeah. yeah. Cuz he's all, he's Schneider. Like no one knows his actual name. This is an actor that like his his act, his actual god-given name is like lost to the ages. He is Schneider. End of story. And uh, but she's Bonnie Franklin, you know. She's Mrs. Romano on the show, but it's like, you know, he's he is Schneider. Um but you're right. That absolutely did become a thing again with Friends. Mm-hmm. I think Friends really yeah. tried and, and successfully, but to bring in this element of like, remember that isn't that funny and like and definitely something that was in Joss Whedon's writing. Yeah, on a show like Buffy. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's there. It's it's everywhere. It's it's gone on to you know. Seth MacFarlane has made a career out of it. Yeah, exactly. You know, mm-hmm. just like, remember, this existed, so do I, and we're going to talk about it, you know? Um, but you're right. Before that, I feel like nostalgia... It's not like how you see it today. Well, the, yeah. The mm-hmm. thing is, it's like people from the 90s and beyond, after a certain age, it's like we we talk about nostalgia, we talk about things, and it's gone on to become like a cottage industry or whatever, but it, like we can mine humor from it, all that. But before that, I feel like... I mean, I guess that boomers weren't really talking about right. shows like Leave it to Beaver or Dennis right. the Menace. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, n- now that stuff, has it's it's like a little bit more of a kitsch thing, you know, and, and John Waters can do it, and it's campy, mm-hmm. you know. Mike Myers does it, and it's campy. But it's I guess like, that you saw nostalgia in other ways, like movies like Grease. Yeah, I guess you didn't yeah. really see it incorporated into character dialogue. Yeah, in and they and movies the, and TV, and it was more of a just kind of like love letters yeah. to to these things, or else, like I said, when people like John Waters or Mike Myers do it, it's a little bit more of a campy kind of a you know reminiscence of things like that, you know. But when it's like a '90s like you know, quote unquote Gen X thing. It's just because it's, it is a part of our like DNA because it is what raised us. And yeah, we I was were raised on say like kind of commenting on Gen X as these latchkey kids yes, that were just yeah. kind of put in front of the TV mm-hmm. as their parents were at work. Yeah. And so this group of, of like white kids in Houston can sit around reminiscing about good times, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, they remember, and that's their past. That's their shared, you know, identity is remembering every single episode of Good Times. I love because that, we all watch. I good love times. that you're such a uh, fan of Good Times that you noticed that the opening title for Good Times was different. That was different. It was not the real song. If you watch this movie, they show Good Times. The clip is real, but the intro song. I was like, that is not. Good times. I will. So I was always very. That is not Janet Dubois yeah. singing to I always, me. I always right thought it was now. very. In, the good time scene was always very interesting when Anytime I was seventeen, watching this movie because I didn't grow up on seventies black TV, seventies and eighties black TV. So I didn't really have a lot of context from it. I, I knew it pretty water. much through this movie. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what Temporary does layoffs, good times. What does Sammy say? Walona uh, uh, adopts Penny. <laughs> Fuck. Walona adopts Penny. Walona, played by Janet Dubois, who sang the Good Times theme song and wrote and sang the Jeffersons theme song, which is 
not just one of the greatest theme songs of all time, one of the greatest songs of all yeah. time, the Jefferson's theme song. I mean, whenever you hear it, you have to you uh, have to you have to finish the song. I mean, it's 45 seconds. Just listen yeah. to the whole thing. It's great. Um Janet Dubois plays Bologna on Good Times and Bologna is like the wacky neighbor and later on she goes on to adopt Penny, who is played by Janet Jackson, and Penny needs adopting because her real mom on the show is played by the actress who is Tootie's real-life mother, who's also an actress, <laughs> and she was an abusive mother, and she burnt Penny with the iron. And it was, like, so traumatic, and Penny was, like, traumatized. And so Walona went in there, and she adopted Penny, and Janet Jackson became a main character. On- she was later in the series, you know, when show- when, like, the the children in the family of a sitcom mm-hmm. kind of age out and they're not yeah. cute kids anymore. And then they need a cuter kid. They brought in Janet Jackson. That's how old good times is. Janet Jackson was like the young cute kid that they brought in. Um, it was kind of like me. Show. The episodes of the Cosby show that I remember Raven watching Simone. were the Raven Simone seasons, yeah. <laughs> like the seasons that you, with Olivia, that you don't care about. Sure. Yeah. 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 Um, the thing about Good Times is that it is a very old show, and it was not in like heavy syndication. Yeah, it wasn't so like something like I the could, Golden Girls. I could see people yeah. your age probably missing out on it. Like when I was on, I or when I was on when I was a younger kid, I feel like it might have been on in like Saturday Sunday afternoon, like weird time, mm-hmm. you know, syndication because it was already off the air by the time I was. You know, old enough to know what was going on, but I did watch it. Prob- it was probably on after you know it was probably Soul Train, and then some like Good Times reruns on on like uh, KCOP or something mm-hmm. here in LA. But yeah, I remember that show fondly. But you know, it's it's this thing that people of a certain age we were raised on television, and the fact that you know I'm not an African American person from you know the Brewster Projects, but I can still relate to Good Times, mm-hmm. yeah, because. You know, it's like we 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 just watched it, you know, every week, and that kind of nostalgia, humor, and references and all that became so huge after this movie. And I never really kind of credited this movie for yeah. ushering that in to mm-hmm. the mainstream. And kind of, I mean, you see it in a scene like that of characters talking like how you would sitting in someone's living room. Right. Like, you don't speak in complete sentences. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you just sort of shout things out. Yeah. hmm James dies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, the <laughs> there's some interesting stuff about how, uh, I don't know, dated this movie is, but just their kind of ideas of where they should and sh- shouldn't be at this point in their lives. Yeah. You know, they've just graduated from college, so they're about 22. Mm-hmm. Insane. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy enough that, you know, Vicky gets promoted to manager of a gap at 22. It's like, if I walk into a store I mean, and I'm like, the manager's 22 running this entire store. I don't know. I, I, so. I feel like the also the work... Place was just very different. It was very different. Too. One so, of our mm-hmm. dear friends, our the maid of honor at our wedding, was running the entire West Covina Mall by the time she was 22. running running the store in the mall with probably a fake ID. Yeah, that, said that she was over eighteen. Yes, she was store manager of like three different stores by the time she was twenty two. 
But it's like people have that drive to like, I don't know, get out of their house, make money, something Mm -hmm. that these kids today don't have anymore. And probably a time where, uh, I mean, actually in the 90s, there was a recession. So it's like you you couldn't really snag a great job coming out of college like you could in the 80s. Well, that, yeah, Mm -hmm. true, true. Not a, yeah, right, right, right. Uh, we're not, we're talking like St. Elmo's fire. Let's get a, let's get a huge let's loft. Let's get a, a huge loft in like Georgetown. <laughs> in yeah. Georgetown on our like entry level, like law clerk job mm-hmm. or whatever. But you know, I always was very kind of envious of Lainey's television industry job. Yeah. I mean, she's 22 and she's got kind of a great job for a 22 year old. Mm-hmm. A PA. Probably of, I mean, she got. Would in, you say she was a PA? She's like a PA. Yeah. Yeah. PA assistant. But in charge of like one guy. Like yeah. the main guy though. Especially for a TV show yeah. that's a talk show that films out of yeah, it's a lo- Houston. It's a local or, show. Uh, yeah, yeah, Houston. Yeah, Houston. Yeah. It's a local show, but still it's like, mm-hmm. it's a good morning Houston kind of a show. Those shows are big. That's how you break into that industry. She can go into the news, you know, whatever, doing kind of live TV. So I was always, as a kid, I was like... All right, Lainey, you better work. She got a good job. Mm-hmm. Um, I, for the life of me, don't remember if my college had a valedictorian, but it exists right. in this movie, yes. though. A valedictorian of the entire graduating class. Of the class. entire graduating class. <laughs> for whatever college this is. Um, you know, maybe, may, oh, were you the valedictorian of, of your class, listeners? Mm-hmm. Write us. Let I mean, know. of college. Call us. Yeah, exactly. Of, of your college. I think that certain departments have valedictorians. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. not of the whole class. Call, but call us and let us know. The The lines are lighting up mm-hmm. like a Christmas tree. All of our phone lines are lighting up right now. They're not. We don't have any phone lines. Um, but yeah, we we start off with, you know, uh, when on a writer, this Lainey. Um... I wouldn't even say she's like aimless. I wouldn't say she's like a '90s like slacker character. She's just she knows what she wants to do. She's got this documentary that she's working on throughout the movie. She has drive, but she might not know how to get there. Right, mm-hmm. right, right, right. Um, and you know, we kind of have to throw in a couple of cliches here. She's got like the the two sets of parents, the divorced parents, you know, and like. Her mother and father don't have a contentious relationship. The mother is always the mother is always played by Susie Kurtz always in movies like this. By yep. Susie mm-hmm. Kurtz in movies like this. <laughs> but um, I love the I love the scene where she gets her graduation presents. And first off, the gas card. Oh yeah, <laughs> she scored right there. Yeah, to get like a BMW and a motherfucking gas card. <laughs> yeah, but you know she's kind of like gives this valedictorian speech about like rejecting, you know, materialism, mm-hmm. things like that. And Susie Kurtz is like, she doesn't want a BMW. Like she wants to reject materialism. Or she's like, I'll take the car until I can afford a real car. I kind of thought that was funny, a real car. Mm-hmm. But you know, she, she takes, she ultimately takes the BMW, which is a very ugly car. Yeah. When I mean, we see it in mm-hmm. these wide shots. Still a car though. Still a car. Yeah. 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 Um, I love that it took us a minute to decide is this Lainey and Vicky's apartment alone? Does Sammy live there? He's always there. Mm-hmm. Later on in the movie, she finally does say, What are you even doing here? You don't live here to Sammy. But their cool apartment. Troy Troy has to move in because he's fired from his job at the newsstand for yeah. uh, stealing a Snickers bar. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. And 
Troy. So, yeah, I mean... talk about this character. I remember on Million Danielle's podcast where they Mm -hmm. do their episodes about sort of... Fuck boys? Fuck boys. They had a whole Reality Bites article about... Section. uh, They had a whole Reality Bites episode about Troy. Mm -hmm. I have definitely known me some Troys, (laughs) and I have to say that I've been friends with people like Troy. Yeah. And there is... Uh, there is part there are things about guys like this that yeah like you do sort of gravitate to them <laughs> of just sort of being friends with them uh-huh i like calling them out on their bullshit though mm-hmm. the guys that i know that are like philosophy guys or whatever they're like these straight guys that are just like oh they're so smart i definitely so knew many troys in you, college you know and it's interesting relating to them like as a gay dude talking to these like straight like philosophy guys that just fancy themselves the smartest person like that they know. You can usually see through their bullshit pretty easy. Well, that's the thing. It's mm-hmm. like as like a gay guy, they don't really feel like they need to, I don't know, be as performative around mm-hmm. you or whatever. But yeah, I always find like calling them out to be a little more fun. And <laughs> Troy is pretty close with Sammy. It yeah. seems like yeah, they are mm-hmm. good friends. It's it's a thing that in this movie, the, these two are very are very tight friends, um, which is cool. But yeah, just the you know the idea is he has to move in with them, you know, for the length of this movie, you know, to get the ball rolling or whatever. And one of the one of the very first things he says is like, oh, when Laney says like, oh, I don't, I don't know, like I don't know if that's allowed in the I don't building. Even know if it's allowed in the building, he's like, well, it's not like Mr. Roper is going to that shit right there. Is like, all right, gold. This is genius. Mention Mr. Roper, and I love the movie. Yeah, that was one of the. I specifically remember being in the movie theater, fifteen, laughing out loud. At so, do we want to talk a little bit about Ethan Hawke? Yeah, I don't think we've ever yeah. had an Ethan Hawke movie on the podcast. I mean, both of us have guested on. Harper and John's podcast uh, about Hawkeyes. Ethan Hawke. Yeah, Hawkeyes I Hawkeyes. did Great Expectations, and you did, I did Valerian. Valerian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, so we've we've been on other shows Ethan talking Hawk, about Ethan Hawke. Valerian. Mm-hmm. But I remember having. I mean, and I still do. <laughs> I still have a huge thing for Ethan Hawke. Oh yeah, of course. that I remember watching the movie Gattaca mm-hmm. when I was a kid yeah. and just being infatuated with him. Yeah. Thinking that he was so cute. He was such a great actor mm-hmm. and just, it's been really interesting to follow his career. Yeah. All of these years later, yeah. I loved the before movies before yeah. sunrise, before sunset, before midnight. So those were definitely movies that I really gravitated to yeah. when I was younger, especially like a movie like Before Sunset because that came out when I was a freshman in college so it was just sort of the cool right. intellectual art house movie that all of, that all of the college kids were talking about yeah. but I mean you go even further with Ethan like you go back even further with Ethan <laughs> Hawke mm-hmm. to Explorers a little movie a little Joe Dante joint mm-hmm. called Explorers uh, I uh, my Dad took me to see Explorers, took my mom and, or took myself and my sister to see Explorers, and I tricked my mom into taking us to see it again, not telling her that we had seen it already with my dad, but I was like, I need to see this movie again. This is the story of my life. I will be building a spaceship with my two <laughs> friends very soon. I need to I need to be taking notes. I need to be taking notes yep. for when I do build my spaceship with my two friends in the creek. Behind our house in the woods, 
which did not exist because I lived in Boyle Heights in Los Angeles. But um, <laughs> I was very, very young, probably six or seven when Explorers came out, and there were like 15 in this movie. Um, obsessed. Obsessed. I mean, we got River Phoenix and Ethan Hawke in the same movie, and I'm like mm-hmm. obsessed with Ethan Hawke, right? Um, Dead Poet Society comes out years later. Dead Poet Society back. also, I mean, He's a back, baby. big deal for Huge deal. Ethan Hawke in that movie. Yes. Ethan Hawke's adult career, it's like he's Very interesting. never been like super A-list, never been like this prestige actor, but just... I mean... I mean, he has like four Oscar nominations. Yeah, though, so I know. he's done quite yeah, well for himself. Totally. Tour in writing too. Yeah, yeah. But you know, he's, you know, training like all these things. It's like big movies, but I don't know something about him just never. Uh, it was in a high-profile relationship with yeah, Emma Thurman in yes, the nineties too. Yes, after oh Gattaca. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just weird to me. I don't know. I just have this idea in my head that well, maybe he, he just like doesn't get a lot of respect in town. But he, you're right. Multiple I think Oscar nominations. his career is really interesting so. because contemporaries with River Phoenix, they yes. were born the same year. I yes. think they're both born in 1970. Mm-hmm. So River's career after Explorers kind of shot up. Yeah. And Ethan, and Ethan had to go back to school. Yeah. And I remember reading that Ethan sort of took that very personal yeah. of that I've like I failed like <laughs> the yeah. the guy who I was with the kid who I was with mm-hmm. in Explorers his career is doing great and yeah. I'm just fucking back in high school yeah well River Phoenix's parents needed him to keep yeah. the fucking light bill and on I think it's just it, like so, it like, did eventually happen for him but I think yeah. it just sort of happened on his terms too. sure yeah, yeah that um he's had this longevity of his career. Mm-hmm. And I think it's great. Yeah. Like, it's fun to see him write and direct movies, even yeah. though The Hottest State isn't that isn't that great. <laughs> I have seen the movie that, that he wrote and directed. Uh-oh. It's not that good. <laughs> but, I mean, two Oscar nominations in writing for yeah. Before Midnight and Before Sunset, and then nominated for Boyhood and yeah. Training Day. Boyhood, a movie that, I mean, he had been making for 15 years. Right. So him and Patricia... Arquette, I mean, she won, but they both got these nominations yeah. that just sort of encapsulated. And he's so good. Fifteen years, yeah. Like, I really take to their two. I mean, obviously, they're like the stand-up performances. Like this kid, he's great and all, but he's a kid. Like, what? Are, mm-hmm. We're not there for him. Yeah, you know, we're there to see the dynamic of these two, like his parents and their relationship and their separation and all this stuff. And he's so good in it, you know. And he's got these really. He's got. I, Ethan Hawke has cool movies under his belt you know yeah. like Gattaca and the before series and all that stuff he's got like really fun cool shit i mean he there. he has that crazy vampire movie day uh daybreakers oh sure yeah. so he does sort of go into genre mm-hmm. like the purge mm-hmm. and yeah i mean he has a uh no not yeah the purge and then the there's a purge yeah uh, in the original purge but then he's also in the um that other scary one with the the videotapes and like the oh sinister sinister and he's gonna sinister. be and he's gonna be in black, black phone. phone i mean he also i think about. i mean he knew jason blum sure when they were like young yeah. probably around the time this movie came out sure they were friends yeah so he's gonna be in this new blumhouse movie called the black phone it looks mm-hmm. really good mm-hmm. but i mean an actor that i really enjoy yeah 
Yeah. And, and it's it's interesting of what he adds to Troy. That I think there's a little bit of Ethan there. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit of that he's creating this early 90s. I mean, Fuckboy wouldn't have been <laughs> no, in the no. public consciousness. But I, I mean, the, the thing that at the time, the big keyword here is slacker. Yeah, slacker. Right. Sure. And she, they only say it once in the movie and they don't even say slacker. She says, you're going to turn this house into a den of, of slack. slack. Yep. Mm-hmm. But the, even that is like a more like clever roundabout way of saying slacker, which is very like friends. Yeah. Like making up little other little terms for like bigger like buzzwords or whatever. But yeah, he's playing this like quote unquote slacker role and uh, he's playing it to a fucking T first of all. Mm-hmm. Um, he's so mean. Like he just can be so mean to Lainey. Like he knows exactly. He knows exactly what's this, what's push this her button say to her to push her button. And yep. she just, I love too that Lainey doesn't just sit back and take it. She fucking yells at him. Yeah. A lot. She can throw it back. Yeah. She yells at him a lot in this movie. Like all she does is just like scream at this guy. Um, and, you know, Vicky and Sammy are just like, all right, everybody, like, let's calm down. Mm-hmm. Let's go for a walk, whatever. They just have to step in each time. But, um, yeah, the relationship is very uh, – I mean, I think it does split a lot of people to this day, like, where she goes at the end of this movie. Yeah, are you team you – know? are you team Ben or are you team Ethan? And I think today – I don't think I'm either. I feel like I'm very much like I'm going to be. You don't need no man. I'm going to be hanging out with Sammy and Vicky. Yeah, just go mm-hmm. hang out with Sammy and Vicky. Like fuck everybody else. Like Michael. I I don't know. I we don't have to cut him out completely. Let's still get that check. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> let's still get that check. Let's work on. Let's work on the show on you know licorice pizza or whatever they want to call it. <laughs> And uh, get our check from uh, In Your Face. Is it called In Your Face? It's MTV with an Edge. MTV with an Edge. Yep. Um, But don't cut this guy out of your life. He is, you know, she needs him for what she ultimately wants to do with her career. But she doesn't need to be with him. Mm -hmm. And I feel like she can still be friends with Troy. But I don't think she needs to end up with him. Yeah. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. And I think a lot of like our gal pals. She can have it all. Do our gal pals agree? Well, what, what does Moran say about this? We have to we have to check in. Oh, uh, we need to. I mean, I feel Carla, like we need to ask Carla and Moran. I feel like they would all say at in the in the in the heat of the moment mm-hmm. they're probably picking Ethan Hawke, and yeah, then yeah. they're regretting it probably a week later. Yes, <laughs> yes. All that time she spends pining for him when he's at his dad's funeral. Oh, we're going to get to that. But, you know, uh, Troy, is a, he's a slacker. He like he looks like Ethan Hawke, so forget about it. It's like the, like that. The floppy the hair. floppy hair. Yep. Like the baggy, dirty clothes. He's in the band. He plays a acoustic guitar in the band. He's just like, he's just dreamy as all get out. And playing kind of against this type, the opposite is the director of this movie, Ben Stiller. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. And this was one of the first, I think this was the first time I'd ever seen Ben Stiller. Yeah, I mean, he had done the Ben Stiller show, which mm-hmm. kind of got him the directing gig. Yeah. And then they 
we're working on the character of Michael. Yeah. I, it kind of sounds like when Helen does interviews that the character was kind of unresolved, that they just needed to work on the character. Sure. And then when Ben said that he wanted to do it, they kind of wrote around yeah. that casting. Right, right. And this is the Michael that we got. Yeah. And it's good it's good casting, you know, he just plays this like uptight in a very Ben Stiller way, mm-hmm. you know. And again, this was something that at the time I was just like, "Ah, oh, his delivery is just killing me. Chef's kisses all over the place with just his like manic kind of da da Ben Stiller kind of delivery." And he's, you know, he's giving the like business suit, listens to rap music in his uh and it, I think and he also. Convertible. I think he also drives a BMW. A BMW. Yep. Yeah, and he's got like the '90s, like Jonathan Larson, like white Arsenio Hall like, mm-hmm. haircut. You know, um, which at the time you're just like, sure, this is a normal haircut. And now you look at it, and you're just like, what is going on um, with this hair? But I mean, probably also just sort of a, a young person who was an executive mm-hmm. around this time. Well, that's the other thing, yeah. too. I don't mm-hmm. feel like Michael is, like, 23. He's, like, late 20s. He's got to be, like, he's, like, 20s. 27, yeah, yeah. 28. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But has done very well for himself yeah. In, yeah. In, in corporate America. Yes. Yeah. And uh, this is the point where we are discussing, is Interface TV based out of Houston? Yeah. Do they just have, like, a hub there? What's going on? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, MTV was famously based out of New York. I mean, they I guess like CNN based out of like Georgia. Yeah. Although I don't know if it was always based out of Georgia. Though. Oh, it so was. CNN it was, was always okay. Atlanta. Yeah. That Ted Turner. That that Ted Turner connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They were always, always out of Atlanta. But I mean, you know, whatever. Why could, why couldn't they be out of, mm-hmm. out of Houston? Um, but yeah, he's got, and like, you know, it has those very like uh, 90s kind of like technology kind of jokes where like he's got the headset phone yeah in the office and it's like oh am i talking to you am i talking to the phone like mm. that's that's doctor that's dr zayas from Planet Do- the, uh, the doctor zayas mm-hmm. from Planet. yeah but it's like you know the uh first we've got the like the crazy tech the crazy tech joke with his headset and and all of that and they they do something similar on on friends when monica's on the speakerphone or monica's on the video phone with uh, with uh, Favreau. Yeah. You do a similar like, oh, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to somebody else kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he's got his little bit of nostalgia too. You know, he's got that with, with Dr. Zayas. I feel like that kind of stuff, it's very like, I don't know, brought, it was kind of brought in with like like Letterman, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then like even more so with, with Conan, that kind of like... Like, remember Planet Dr. Zayas from... funny, yeah. From Planet of the Apes? Yeah, 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 yeah. That was a good time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's that fine line between like Pee Wee Herman and like the Playhouse. Sure, kind of like oh, he's got like uh, Lone Ranger sheets. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, kind of a way of looking at nostalgia again. That camp zap gun. Mm-hmm. Look at this box. <laughs> Don't you just love the box? You know, a box can't be funny. <laughs> You know, kind of a thing. But in this, it's like it just becomes so much more of like informative of the kind of person that he is. Like, yes. Yeah. Um, uh, Revisiting this movie, it kind of pisses me off when Lelena, 
What kind uh, of name is Lelena? Mm. Yep. Uh, and I always want to say it's Leanna, yeah, but it's Lelena. And I always think of Steve Zahn saying, Lelena. Lelena. <laughs> Lelena. <laughs> yeah. When he's asking for money for the pizza. Lelena. But um, it kind of pisses me off when she gets fired and she says, all right, guys, I get fired. And then Vicky was like, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. You're hired. Like, come work at the Gap with me. And she just like, I don't want to work like, at the Gap. I would work at I would, the Gap. I would never work at the Gap yeah, with you. Yeah. Meanwhile, like... I'd be like, fuck, sweet, I okay. would probably quit my job today to work at the Gap <laughs> and bullshit yeah. and fold t-shirts with Vicky. Like, I would do that tomorrow. If Vicky's your manager at the Gap, she's a store manager, and she's your roommate, fuck yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I feel like the amount of times... I Like, the amount of... Um, Job applications that I submitted to the Gap in like my teen and early twenties years probably like destroyed a rainforest. <laughs> um, yeah, I never liked that either because it's like that's not her field. She wants to stay in like television production and all that. But I mean, she eats her words later on because she yeah, is she's wearing she's wearing clothes like she works at the Gap. Well, not only that, I mean, she applies to be a wiener dude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think just sort of the choice of Vicky working at The Gap is kind of brilliant because we all yes. remember the alternative girls like that that did have jobs that were very opposite from their personality <laughs> sure. of just sort of working in retail. Yeah. Of that. Or like, just when you worked mm-hmm. in the mall, you saw that like all kinds of people worked there. It's like Vicky probably tried to work at Tower Records and yeah. they weren't hiring. But yeah, they're just not always hiring. So she yeah. just had to settle for the gap. Mm-hmm. And she's Vicky is also the type of girl that when you're like 18 years old and you're just starting out working that you work with a coworker like this. Yeah. And you just well, really want to like gravitate oh, toward them, like yeah. like towards them. No doubt, yep. no doubt. But there's also that person when you do work in retail, and especially in a mall, and you see people who are just like they're fun, they're like really cool. You love hanging out with them, but when it comes to the job, they're like they take it very very serious. Zone in the yeah. zone. It's like all like, of the, it's like all of the managers that bitch. you see at uh, places like Hot Topic. Yeah, that look just really into it. Yeah. And their management, and they're mm-hmm. making like kind of good money, and like dr- they drive like nice car for like somebody who's twenty three. They like have like a nice car, and you're just like, you bought this guy, Did you work it. What the hell? And it's just that mindset that just something switches in their brain when they're at work, and they look at that giant wall of t-shirts or mm-hmm. folded jeans or whatever, and it's like the matrix in their head, and they they're have a vision. Like, yep, or they get that planogram. From corporate, they know exactly it how it goes together. All starts dancing together. That is not my brain. I know that's not your brain. We are not that person that gives two flying fucks about. We'll do it at the end of the, our shift. It's done. Mm-hmm. But that girl is like, boom! I'm here. I'm in it to win it, and I'm going to be the manager of the Gap, store manager. For the region, you know, blah, blah, yeah. blah. And it's just like, they get that shit done, man. And it's like, cheers to them, because that was never my mm-hmm. calling. Yeah. They, but they, they get shit done. And Vicky, like, knew how to do it. But she also had that other side of her life, which she was just like, would you call Vicky promiscuous? I wouldn't even call her promiscuous. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing about, like, revisiting this movie now, when you look at all of the dates of the book... 
I mean, it just looks like a pretty average (laughs) 20-something girl to me that just likes to have sex. We paused her book. So, and it was, it was, she averaged two guys a month. So the, so the character of Vicky, um, likes to sleep around. Like she, <laughs> she enjoys her some menses and she just Absolutely. has, and she's, she's like, a kind of conscious that she keeps track of all of them in a book. Yeah. In like a notebook. Yeah. Just kind of, uh, keeping track of all of the men that she's been with. And it was, yep. and it was in the sixties, her number. Was in the 60s. Mm-hmm. And would imagine for a straight girl, that's very high. Yeah. For a straight guy, that's pro- that's very high. Well, pro- and also like a pre-sex in the city world yes. where um, yeah, yeah. you didn't really see a lot of portrayals of women's enjoying sex. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even want to say sleeping around because no, that's like, yeah. that has like a negative connotation to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I always remember there's an episode of Roseanne. When Jackie is talking to um, Bonnie Raitt's husband, who she eventually marries on the show. I forget his name on the show. Um, but he they he asks her, like, how many, how many men have you been with? And Jackie says, oh, not that many. Probably about three a year, I would say. And, like, you know, I st- when, you know since I, ever since I was about 18, so... For about 20 years. So that's, what is that, 60? (laughs) (laughs) And she's just like, holy shit, when you say it out loud, that's insane. But, you know, it's like, okay, (laughs) Mm -hmm. why not? But, um, you know, she's got, she has her book of guys. And and we did, we paused it. It looked to be about two. Did we notice any names that repeated each other? We didn't notice any repeats. Mm-hmm. No, there were no repeats. But I would have liked to have seen that. To see that Vicky has somebody that she could just call. Mm-hmm. A, a fuck buddy, if you will. You know, people have them. It's a thing. They exist. But, um, you know, this kind of leads to a whole arc for Vicky of getting an AIDS test. Yeah. Getting an HIV test, you know. And in 94... Going to the free clinic, and she even says, "Going yeah. to the free clinic for AIDS test. It is the it's the mark of our generation. You know, it's what what we all do, what we all know. I mean, us as gay men, definitely, we are very familiar with going to the free clinic <laughs> yeah. in a place like Los Angeles. That is like a gay rite of passage. Is going to get. I mean, like thank goodness, the full, like uh, the full panel, the full STD panel. Yeah, yep. Thank goodness for the LGBTQ center in Hollywood." The full panel, though, you are leave your pride at the door. Mm-hmm. Yep. Leave your pride. Leave all of it at the door because it is gone. They're asking you everything. But, you know, this at this time in the 90s, we've got – was MTV sex in the 90s? I think so, yeah. HBO was real sex. Yeah. MTV's got sex in the 90s. HBO's got real sex. These shows are, well, not so much real sex. Sex in the 90s was designed to scare the living shit out of you. Mm -hmm. To don't even think about not having sex without a condom. Like, it was like, you and everybody you know will catch AIDS and die. So, (laughs) that was very much like the kind of way, like... Sex was talked about at that time, you know? Um, And I mean, for good reason. Mm -hmm. HIV was definitely definitely a, a thing to you know not to be reckoned with but the scenes in this movie where they kind of talk about it we don't know how long it these results are taking yeah i mean 
like HIV rapid test wouldn't be a thing no. for quite some time. Yeah. After this movie, yeah. so you just had to wait. Yeah. For I mean, you mentioned like weeks. I feel like it's a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. I feel like it, I feel like in the episode where where Rose needs to go in and get tested on the Golden Girls, I think it's two weeks. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I think that all of us as gay men have been there where oh, yeah. you go and get your HIV test mm. and your brain just immediately goes to <laughs> worst case scenario yeah. that you are psyching yeah. yourself out yes. of that. Oh, you have it. Like you, you the like therapist in you the are, building. you are going to be like yeah. dealing with this for the rest of your life. Yeah. Like your mind just at least for some people like yeah. me, just yeah. because I always worry about things. Mm-hmm. Your mind just immediately goes to the worst. Yeah. 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 And so it is a very kind of poignant, like, I mean, one of the first scenes in a, in like a free clinic that I can think of. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and and also it's it's a woman like yeah. taking a test too, so it's like kind of showing that it's not just like it's not just a gay person's disease that Vicky really needs to kind of review some things and 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 go in for the. She has that nice exchange with Winona that I think it's some of the best acting that Janine's ever done too. You don't understand. Every day, all day, it's all that I think about. Okay. Every time I sneeze, it's like I'm four sneezes away from the hospice. And it's like it's not even happening to me. It's like I'm watching it on some crappy show like Melrose Place or some shit, right? And I'm the new character. I'm the HIV AIDS character. And I live in the building and I teach everybody that it's okay to be near me. It's okay to talk to me. And then I die. And there's everybody at my funeral wearing halter tops and chokers or some shit like that. You stop, okay? Just stop. You're freaking out. And you know what? You're going to have to deal with the results. Whatever they are, we're going to have to deal with them, just like we've dealt with everything else. This isn't like everything else. I know that, all right? But it's going to be okay. You know? I know it's going to be okay. Melrose Place is a really good show. <laughs> I used to quote that a lot. <laughs> Fucking Melrose Place. Uh, I used to quote that a lot. Melrose Place is a really good show. show. So I, uh, it's funny that I, I I didn't start watching Melrose Place until about like 10 years ago. Yeah. But I mean, it is just always on Pluto every night that I will tune in to see what, those halter tops and chokers, to see all those halter tops and chokers (laughs) on what bullshit episode of Melrose Place is on the night. Mm -hmm. But probably one of my first. Like references for Melrose Place. Oh was, yeah, totally. when I was young too. I think yeah, it was, and that's another thing: referencing stuff that's like currently now on television and how bad or corny it is. Like yeah, just all that shit is just like so fresh and like so uh, just a new kind of mm-hmm. kind of humor that we, yeah. we take for granted now. But it really kind of was was brought in. I mean, if we're talking out of our ass and you're just like, no, they would do that on like Benson or whatever. Like, let us know. But I don't think they would do that. On Benson, Steve Zahn's character. Yeah, let's is talk the about Steve Zahn. Yep, Sammy. Sammy. Mm-hmm. So reading Noah Wiley, I guess got pretty far on the audition. Okay, yep. see that. Mm-hmm. I feel like he would have been considerably younger looking, at least, because on ER when he was on ER, he was like twenty four. Mm-hmm. 
But that was only a couple. No, ER was right around this time, so I guess it was. Yeah, ER was like around timing. 93. Yeah. Okay. 92, I think. Yeah, okay, mm-hmm. so then it would have been perfect time. I don't know why I'm thinking ER was like 99. I think ER was probably <laughs> Michael Crichton's <laughs> yeah. big thing that he did after Jurassic after Park. Jurassic Park, yeah, yep. yeah. Um, so, the, so that is perfect timing. I would have loved that. I, th- I, used, I used to think Noah Wiley was quite the looker, but now he just looks like regular i think steve zahn's pretty cute i do too Mm -hmm. i love him i love him in this role i think he's great i think he's funny um i love steve zahn and uh yeah i feel like at the time was watching this and just being like all right i don't think that this character really hit me when i was like in the closet at the mm-hmm. time when I was in high school mm-hmm, of that, mm-hmm. am I the Sammy? Like, I don't even think that even occurred to me, but I think since, I don't think I'm the Sammy. since like revisiting it, am I'm just like, Sammy? oh man, like I Maybe totally I was this type of guy <laughs> that would hang out with my friends in college because yeah. primarily just rolled with straight people. Yeah. I didn't have any gay friends. Yeah. Uh, and just being that type of closeted gay man that would be sort of celibate and just not date anyone. Yeah. I was definitely that type of guy. Yeah. Just be, yeah, it's easier. It's just easier. It's easier. When you're in your early twenties and you don't really want to sort of deal with questions like that. Yeah. That it's just easier to just not date at all. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I mean, was that the best policy looking back? Maybe not. Did you miss out on some things? Of course. Probably. Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> but you know, to your to to you when you're that age, and you just sometimes you just don't want to deal with things. You're not ready to deal with things yet. That that yeah, it makes a lot of. And sense. And there's that line that Steve says um, after. There's there's that line that Steve says that I can't really start my life without being honest about who I am. Sure, I know that it's a cheesy line, but there's some truth to it. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. that he just, I think that we all sort of get to that place mm-hmm. where we have to say something like that to ourselves. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, totally. Um, I love the Sammy character because he's funny. Yeah, um, he he has little bits. He does little voices. You know, when they're like super stoned and like they want Lenny to buy them pizza, and he does the like La Lena, you know, kind of a thing. And then like when he does his little like his little like one act play with. With Vicky about, um, you know, about coming out to his so mother. So this is the scene that really um, that follows. It's the video footage, and it follows Vicky getting the negative tef- uh, test, test results, results back. Yeah. Right. Ma! I'm right here, son. Ma! Yeah? I have to tell you something. I am oh, almost sexual. Oh, Christ. Uh, Is there a support group that I can join to help me come to terms with my own homophobia? Yes, there is. A group which is named P-Flag, parents and friends of lesbians and gays. Oh, oh, a flag. I'm beginning to like the sound of that. What you just witnessed here is a pre-enactment of events that are about to take place. A and pre-enactment. He, yeah, and he and he comes out to his mom in like the in the scene that follows. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh Christ! I mean, it seems like this. It's why. It's fun to have a comedian like Janine to do. Of that, yeah. we're gonna do like a little a little piece of improv. Yeah. 
And even Steve, too. Yeah. I think his reading of it was really Probably funny. Probably something that... Like, that, like turning like, the page. Yeah. Like, bef- you know, not finishing, like, the sentence because he had to read it off. Like, that shit's funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So good. Love that character. But yeah, I was definitely the Sammy of <laughs> my college friends. Okay. Maybe not quite as square as Sammy of that, uh, sort of, like, the Dockers and the tuc- and belt. Tucked in polo in shirt. In the, the tucked in polo shirt. But, sure. I mean... Still a character that's very close to my heart. Do you remember a few years ago on like Instagram of was like post for movie or TV characters that's most like your personality? Mm-hmm. I feel like mine. I feel like one of them would be Sammy Should've from this Sammy. movie. Okay, yep. all right, I like that. That's cool. I mean, he's a good character. Mm-hmm. You know, we're uh, we're right in the middle of back to real world back to new orleans yeah and i mean you want to talk I about mean, like formative definitely homosexual a, definitely a season of the real world that i definitely gravitated to yeah when yeah. i was a freshman in high school yeah i mean we uh, you know like we talk about it a lot it's a whole like premise of this freaking show it's like all we had we're just grasping at these little tiny like little bits in these movies and TV shows, and then finally the real and then to have a real live person mm-hmm. like Danny, yeah, moving into the house yeah. and announcing to everyone that he's gay, yeah, yeah. So you know, at that time, that was was that night? No, that wasn't ninety four. What year was that? Ninety two? No, two thousand two. Two thousand. Two thousand. Yeah. Oh my god, I'm losing my mm-hmm. mind. Um, but yeah, you know, it's uh, and there had been and there had been gay on. characters on the real world before, mm-hmm. like Norman. Dan. Dan Renzi, Norman, Pedro, mm-hmm. but there was something a little more like official of Danny, like announcing it to the house. <laughs> that was just very the year two thousand of that. <laughs> I am entering this house as the gay man. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah. Uh, but even then, it was still kind of a, not a novelty, but still kind of like finally the one you know character or whatever. Oh my God, real world homecoming. It's stressing me out. <laughs> it is always Julie, a mess. Oh God, Julie and I love is, every Julie minute is of it. Stressing me out. That one. <laughs> Listeners, if you're watching Homecoming, Julie is a hot mess. Hit us up on that. because Julie's a hot mess, and Danny and Melissa are back to being my favorites. Mm-hmm. It's like no time is passed. Now, I told you that if I would have been Danny, that I could have seen myself gravitating towards Kelly. Yeah, of course. That that was definitely the type of girl that I would have liked. You'd love beautiful blonde women. I mean, I love beautiful blonde women. <laughs> married to Scott Wolf. Yep. <laughs> that I could see myself sort of latching onto her. Of course. Of course. Um, Danny Roberts? Yeah, Danny Roberts. Danny Roberts. Mm-hmm. We love you. Come on the show. Saint. <laughs> You're a he's a saint among men. Um, but, you know, it just kind of goes to show in this, like, brief, you know, six-year period, the type of, like, gay representation and, like, movies and television shows and things like that. But, again, you know, Reality Bites is, was kind of influenced a lot by the real world. Mm-hmm. Later on in the movie, you know, we get a lot of that. Did they sort of try to replicate certain things about Reality Bites on seasons of the real world that aired after? Later maybe. On, yeah, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe. So throughout this movie, Lainey, while she is first while she is a PA at this Good Morning show, she's trying to get them to look at this footage also that she has. bold move of when you're 22 I years mean, old and you just assume that you and your knucklehead friends can like can carry an entire documentary let alone tv show 
<laughs> well, the show has a segment that's yeah. like video, like real stories, video vixens mm-hmm. or whatever, where you know you can submit your VHS tapes. It's like they're funniest home videos or whatever. Um, pre TikTok, but also There's no TikTok. Uh, Would Laney be a TikTok Lainey, star? Today? Also, Laney, kind of know your audience. That I don't really think with the dad yeah, from yeah, yeah. Say Anything, yeah. On his show, yeah. that's really going to fly. I don't think the video know your audience section of Good Morning, <laughs> you know, Houston or whatever gives a shit. But you're, yeah, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right. But you know, she's, she's, she is attempting to we create keep, a we documentary. Keep, we keep pronouncing her name wrong, and I guess it makes sense because it's a weird name. Who? Lalena. Yeah. What are we saying? I think that you've. I think you've been saying something different. I've been saying Laney. Laney. They call her Laney. Oh, they do. Okay. Everybody calls her Laney in the movie. Yeah, Laney. At least, uh, yeah, they call her Lainey. Don't worry about it. She's doing what she knows, right? Mm-hmm. She's going to make a documentary. She's going to do it about you know her friends and all that. And it's very... That's just a very like 22-year-old yeah. type of thing. Just assuming that your entire life is fascinating and why wouldn't everyone else want to well, find out about you? She's not going to... Yeah. I don't know. She's not going to go to do it on like Rwanda or anything. like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess she could do it on like homelessness or... Something, but yeah, I don't know. It is kind of a little, a little vain, a little vanity project. But um, it, she's making it a little bit more verite, and you know, it is very much like of the '90s. We're going to mm-hmm. talk about the real issues that like people my age are facing, like broken homes, broken homes. Every, yep. you know, um, dad's leaving. Yeah. Dad's leaving and then dying of cancer, mm-hmm. so you have to kind of forget all of that and uh, feel bad for him because he's dying. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, but you know, also like coming out stories and you know going to the clinic. So and all I was shit. so I was reading on Wikipedia that uh-huh. the real Troy ended up suing oh. Helen Childress about her mentioning on the commentary that I based all of these characters off of my friends. At the UFC film school or something, so he ended up like taking her to court over it and because I think of what she said in the commentary. What she said in the commentary oh. of that, like I based my friends on people that I knew. Oh wow! And there is an alleged real Troy out there uh. that ended up taking her to court. And he didn't quite like that. Yep. Oh no! Why? Though? Which I would imagine that Troy is a character <laughs> that is like. like a- Serial killer. That is like a collection of yeah. numerous people too. Yeah. So you can hardly kind of yeah. have it to one person. Yeah. Oh come on. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I, I read that today. Interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Interesting. Yep. But you know, so throughout the whole movie, she's putting this together, and we see so much. It's a uh, <clears throat> and she's talking with Michael that they're going to be working on this with in your face television right that this is finally like the audience and the format that she wants to present it to the world right and what i was going to say was you know throughout the movie we get a lot of the camera pov Mm -hmm. you know and we get we see footage as she's shooting it you know in these uh edited together in the scenes of the movie and a couple of times you know at one point troy kind of is playing around with Lelena and he gets the camera away from her and puts it on her and she's like no 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 like she's like no I don't want to be in front of the camera I want to be telling this story you know and finally when she does have her little meet cute with Michael they eventually start a relationship 
And he's just like, hey, this is – and I think with the best intentions. Yeah, definitely. He's like, this is a great idea and your raw footage that you have and what you have put together. It shows know, some promise. It can really go promise. somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but I don't know that – what, she had like no transitions and no titles and mm-hmm. none of that stuff? But, you know <laughs> – that's where she kind of got the shaft from in your face TV. Yeah, how do we feel about like the like the sizzle reel of <laughs> her show? I mean, it seems like the first five minutes of episode one, or if it's going to be a a movie in ha- however many parts, mm-hmm. it seems like this is the opening. To yeah, me. and it's like yeah, pretty corny. Pretty, cool I mean, pretty stuff. corny. But I mean, I would still watch that. Oh yeah, I would still watch it. Watching the yep. shit mm-hmm. out of that, yeah, yeah. Um, it's clever the way they're just they take her footage and they're like, we can make a real world out of this. Mm-hmm. We can make this our real world, and just the editing things that they do with like getting an image and like whitewashing it and drawing over it, you know, and like having that kind of stuff. It's like cutting out their faces and putting them in the pizza. Like that is just mm-hmm. all straight out of. The MTV like style book, yeah, right, of the time, like how you would market stuff to young people, yeah, at the yeah, time, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, Lainey's just like, "Oh, fuck this! This is not what I signed up for. I hate it. It's awful." But yeah, we're kind of like, mm, it still looks. Funny. I would still watch I'd it. Still watch mm-hmm. it. <laughs> but they do kind of butcher her work into like, oh, uh, like we, you know, these deep and like meaningful events. They kind of boil down to like. We want pizza and to get yeah. stoned mm-hmm. kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really where she takes the most like offense at all of it. So, you know, good for her for like standing run, up for herself. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. But still get that check. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there has to be something in there saying that like I need to like mm-hmm. get final cut. You need or final, final cut. Or I something. mean – <laughs> or like we we got to make some compromises. Yeah, yeah. We maybe can't have the I want pizza, but I mean maybe we can find some middle ground. Yes, yes. So another big scene in this movie, or kind of a uh, uh, a gag, a running thing in this movie, is the gas card. Yeah, and using the gas card at the little convenience store because uh, I mean I love any. Movie that there is a subplot of Psychic Friends Hotline. <laughs> Lainey, when she's going on some hard times, yeah. turns to, I mean, the Psychic Friends Hotline with the help of... LaToya. LaToya. Yeah. Talks to a psychic. I, I love that part of the movie, of that just sort of the low point of... But even before the mega low point, when none of them had any money and it was even too late to go to Domino's, they go to the convenience store... And buy a bunch of shit like just charges it things of Diet Coke and potato chips and Mm -hmm. and just charges it on the gas cart. And it's just like the that was like the stupid shit that you would do when you just had no money or whatever. Just like, all right. Yeah. We're going to figure something. We're going to go grocery shopping at at this convenience store and just charge it on dad's gas cart. Mm -hmm. And like this final shot after the big Maestrona scene where it's like the wide shot of the empty gas station and they're in the window of the convenience store mm-hmm. and it's like this like starry sky. I mean, them. that's 
their only effect shot in the entire movie. Yeah. Too. It's like mm-hmm. it's there is this the like nineties what is that famous is it Nighthawks? Oh I don't know. The those it's that it's that famous painting of like that diner. Oh sure. Like in a corner yeah. with mm-hmm. the two people okay, in it. Okay, now I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we should also like our '90s answer to Nighthawks. Yeah, I mean, we should also mention this movie is shot by Emmanuel uh, Lubeski. Lubeski, Mm -hmm. like great cinematographer, like has like three Academy Awards. I mean, this was his first English language movie Mm -hmm. that just sort of probably got him to bigger jobs, like working with Alfonso Cuarón and Mm -hmm. A Little Princess. Uh, He ended up. What did he win for? He won for, um, I think, all inner two movies. I think that he won for Gravity. Inaritu. Um That's Coron. Birdman. Okay. So Gravity with Coron. And then he won back-to-back Birdman and The Revenant. Ah, uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah, he's, uh, he's a huge cinematographer out of um, Mexico. I mean, really knows how to light actors, too. Like, the lighting in this movie is beautiful. Definitely, especially a, a lot of the um, a lot of the indoor stuff in their apartment. There's a lot of windows yeah. in their apartment, so there's like a lot of like sunlight coming in, mm-hmm. and a lot of them being lit, like especially in Lynn's bedroom. And um, yeah, uh, and she's on the phone with the psychic friends the hotline. Psychic yep, friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sitting here chain smoking. <laughs> Those pajamas are your uniform. Yeah. You are in the bell jar. You are mm-hmm. in the bell jar. Ah, great, great line, great delivery. Mm-hmm. Ah, love Janine. Yeah, so it's like the last act of the movie. There's a lot I mean, of like the, back and forth. It's just sort of when the feelings really start to get real with Troy, mm-hmm. and she starts to think, "Can I like fix this guy or make this relationship work?" Yeah, mm-hmm. that's the thing. It's like Troy. It's. Ugh. He's not beyond fixing, but it's like, it's not your job, girl. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just this man is not he's worth just it. A dipshit, right mm-hmm. now. He's got to work that out. Do not. Troy lay might it be okay in like ten years. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But yeah, it's like I'm not saying <laughs> give up on him completely, but don't make it your mission to fucking fix his ass. It's like, but it's also, but it's also like '94 Ethan Hawke. So I kind of get it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like I girl, I I kind of get it. Like would I have this guy ruin my life as well maybe? Would I risk it all for this dumb shit possibly? <laughs> yeah, you're right, you're right. <laughs> Even though he wears like really baggy white boxers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as those as those guys tended to do. <laughs> but um yeah, the last act is a lot of like Back and forth. A lot of back and forth. Um, tensions with both the guys. Mm-hmm. Who is she going to choose? Yeah. 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 Um, their scenes together are fun. Because Ben Stiller, again, he's giving that like classic Ben Stiller kind of mensch. Mm-hmm. Kind of like pent up, you know. Um, what is your glitch? Know, anger. Yeah, what is your glitch? Love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and... and um, and Troy just plays it so much like anything that like anything that Michael says, Troy's just like, what? Shut up, mm-hmm. idiot. Until that moment where he says like, oh, sh-, you know, she doesn't she doesn't need blah, blah, blah. And Michael says like, oh, you don't know what she needs or whatever. 
Or wait, what is the line? Does Troy say you don't know what she needs? I don't know. But Michael throws something, some line back at him, and it's just like, ooh, yeah. burn. And it's like the one time that he's like, oh, shit, he got me. Mm-hmm. He got me. But um, All of the um, scenes at the concert venue, coffee shop, bar. I think it's a bar. It's a bar. Um, reminds me a lot of singles. Yeah. And we've been talking about how we need to revisit singles. It's been a very long time sure. since I have seen the movie Singles. Very different tone. Different vibes. It's, like, it's camera crow. More of a crow yeah. sort of thing. So it's not quite as funny. Yeah. <laughs> For me. For mm-hmm. me, I just, you know, Cameron Crowe's scripts are good. So I, was, so I was reading that apparently singles did not make a lot of money no. when it came out. No. And it, it, it was why studios initially did not want to fund this movie. Sure. So they were going back and forth with studios. Ben signed on to it. They thought they were going to make this movie independently, mm-hmm. have to raise the money. Mm-hmm. And then they get a phone call when they're scouting locations in Houston Winona writer read your script. She wants to do the movie. Universal is going to fund it. Yeah. So this movie, like once Wino signed onto it, <laughs> just sort of fast tracked it with Universal. Yeah. And that just goes to show of her power at the time. Yeah. Of being a young, a, a young leading lady that there was no one like her. Yeah. Of that when she signed on to your movie, it was guaranteed to be made. Yeah. Yeah. Why no, man? That's Winona. Mm-hmm. And it's it's one of those things that's like, I can't really see anybody else in this role. Like, yeah. So, like, perfectly her. I mean, I get, I mean, there were people like Bridget Fonda, but we were just yeah. mentioning that she had just yeah. done, she had just done singles. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it was probably something a little too similar. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. Um, I think this movie is a lot more successful. It's a, it's, it's, it's a little smaller. It's a more intimate mm-hmm. of a movie than I feel like singles just has kind of a bigger scope that it doesn't need. Um, <clears throat> yeah. And again, it's funnier. I mean, to me, it's like, that's always going to win me over. It's just, mm-hmm. it's, it's a funnier script. Yeah. Is there any sort of like last thoughts about reality bites that we mm-hmm. haven't covered? Um, let's see. There's the, there is the little bit at the end when we find out that once she has chosen Troy mm-hmm. and, um, kind of, she just sort of leaves Michael and like, I'm not going to take my documentary with you. Yeah. Sorry about it. This relationship didn't work out. Yeah. And what does Michael do with his experience <laughs> with this woman yeah they do they dramatize it and they mm-hmm. do like a and it's uh it's it's karen duffy not Duff. angie harman i always make that mistake no, no. not angie harman it's karen duffy uh duff from uh mtv i always remember her from blank check and she's also in blank check yep where she falls in love with the seven-year-old yep and um oh he's 12 oh she falls in love with the children <laughs> and uh uh evan dando from the Lemonheads, who you re- you may remember as uh doing the cover of mrs robinson uh as elena and roy and there's even a fish tank mm-hmm. to make it even more real worldy but uh it's a fu- it's a funny little bit at the very end it's like it's like perfect and that uh that posy song is playing mm 
Which one? Going, going, gone. Uh, we haven't talked about the soundtrack of this movie. I this mean, soundtrack was huge. I, mean, I think that's the button that we mm-hmm. go out. Yeah, on. we need to finish. We need to finish with the soundtrack. Yeah. I mean, I listen to the soundtrack all the time. I love the fake David Bowie song by <laughs> World Party that we started the episode with. Yes. The not young Americans. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, the soundtrack was a banger. Uh, it had like. Iconic shit on it. And of course, this song. <laughs> Played by everyone's favorite straight friend's <laughs> ex-girlfriend with, with the cat glasses. Sure. Lisa Loeb. And you know who's a big Lisa Loeb fan? Tell me. It's me. Oh. I love the Lisa Loeb um, tracks that no one talks about. Mm-hmm. Her song from the Twister soundtrack is really uh. good named How... <laughs> Um, waiting for Wednesday is really good. Um, there you go. But yeah, it's Lisa Loeb. There you go. It's Lisa Loeb. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. And this is one of those songs that's just as legendary as the movie. It's got this whole thing. Shot in one take, directed by video. Ethan Hawke. Mm-hmm. The music video. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And as the story goes, that Ethan Hawke knew Lisa Loeb mm-hmm. from the theater scene in New York. Yeah. And when they finished with the movie, he sent this song to Ben Stiller of just like I know that you're looking at songs for the soundtrack listen to my friend Lisa's single Mm -hmm. like she's just trying to get herself out there as a musician like see what you can do and they played it in the closing credits I think it was probably like one of the third singles off the the album too the video was huge it was a cultural phenomenon cute little kitty cat in it touchstone of the 90s again she's wearing this like velvet cap sleeve like mini dress and she's got like the stockings and the chunky heels and like the cat eye glasses. Interesting song because there's uh, not a traditional chorus in it. But that's what makes Mm -hmm. it that 90s kind of like girl rock story song. Yeah. You know. You get kind of like the stay that bookends the song. Yeah. But just sort of this like hippy dippy like flow of consciousness <laughs> yeah absolutely from the singer songwriter absolutely and um yeah and lisa was just super cute which like helped you know and then it was lisa Loeb and nine stories yes yeah. was the was the band when you know she the, she did play guitar for the band and she mentions mm-hmm. that uh she does not play guitar in the video Right. But she always just kind of assumed like is everyone just going to think that I'm just like the cute mm-hmm. lead singer and I don't I don't play like an instrument or anything. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, the whole nine stories is like the JD Salinger connection. You're just like, oh, how cool, you know. So yeah, they just they were every like teenagers kind of like cup of tea. But yeah, this the soundtrack was. I mean, it, it's up there with like great like movie soundtracks. With yeah, just especially these songs that like kind of stand at a the time in the nineties where to help market your movie, you would issue out a soundtrack. Yeah. I mean, something that, I mean, you can sometimes find playlists now on iTunes and Spotify, but I mean, mm-hmm. it was a big deal at the time to have a movie soundtrack with like big singles on it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So, I mean, if you can, is it on iTunes right now to like look up? The I mean, you can buy soundtrack? it off iTunes. Okay. I just have the album. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I'm saying if we want, if we're going to suggest for people to like go look it up. Oh, yeah. I mean, I there. mean, you can look it up on YouTube. Mm-hmm. So, oh, yeah. That's mm-hmm. too. Yeah. Yeah. So. 
great soundtrack to go along with a great movie. Oh yeah, it's uh it's on Spotify as well. The Knack, My Sharona, Big Mountain, Baby I Love Your Way. Yeah. Um, um I mean Julian Hatfield. Oh, Spin yes. the bottle. Yeah, really good Julian like, Hatfield song. Soundtrack to many uh a junior high sleepover, probably. <laughs> yeah, totally, mm-hmm. totally. And it's just that very nineties kind of like power poppy kind of a thing. Um yeah. Baby, I love your way is in this. Um, yeah, they um, were gonna have. Uh, they wanted to have kiss. They wanted to have a kiss song, but it was replaced by a Peter Frampton song because they couldn't get the rights to the kiss song. But, yeah. Oh, interesting! I didn't know that. Yeah, mm-hmm. when they're in the car and they're listening to Peter Frampton, it was gonna be Beth. Oh wow! It'd be okay. Beth by Kiss. Well, that's what mm-hmm. Stiller wanted, sure. which makes a lot of sense. Um, but yeah, they couldn't get that. And that would have been funny to have them both like. Well, Beth is a ballad. Well, oh, also, so. it just would have been funny to have both of these two characters like making these observations about Kiss, about Kiss. and the yeah. power of like this album. And that's another that, that would have worked nostalgia thing. Yep. Ben Stiller at least would have been a little boy when like you know Kiss was kind of big. Um, so yeah, it's another part of that whole nostalgia thing. So yeah, that would have worked really well. I think that's why I wanted to. When um, Beth is a great song. When a writer and Ethan Hawke sort of like come together at the very end, they play a good U two song. Mm, All I want is you. All I want is you. Yeah, that yeah. song's long too. It is a very long yep. song. Mm-hmm. That's very good. That's very romantic. Love it. So yeah, go and check out the soundtrack. Watch this movie. Rent this movie. So much fun. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, this movie rocks. It's Reality Bites. <laughs> Definitely a movie that I've been meaning to get to for a while. We saw this at uh, Hollywood Forever. I was not with you. Oh, I think right. I was, I think that I was in Montana or something oh, okay. when you went. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's a line where, sh- where uh, Lelena says that she just wanted to be something by the time she was 23. Huge <laughs> laugh. Huge of the audience erupted. This would have been fun to see uh, at Hollywood Forever. Do you remember what the photo booth was? Was it the living room? It was in a. It was a living room, but it didn't really look like. But it wasn't. You know, they did the same they thing to Scream. Right. Yeah, I remember when Ashley, Joe, and us went to mm-hmm. Scream. They just had a '90s living room. Yeah, and I was just like, what the hell? Yeah, like you couldn't do the. You couldn't do like yeah. Sydney's porch or like the kitchen. Yeah, super weird. Um, they've had, they've definitely have had better, uh, photo ops at Hollywood forever. I'm trying to look it up to see. Yeah. It was a living room. It's just plaid walls and a couch, which mm-hmm. it worked a little bit more than the one that they did for, for scream. Cause the living room is a little bit more nondescript, but yeah. Um, but that was, but that was a good time. But yeah, I mean, you know, if, uh, if you're into, you know, 70s nostalgia and sitcoms and <laughs> I would imagine that this is the movie that for all of these actors that people are probably going to come up to them about reality bites the most. I mean, Winona, who knows? I mean, I guess <laughs> why well, not someone yeah, that you have yeah. like Beetlejuice, but definitely yeah, yeah. like Ethan, mm-hmm. Janine, probably Steve's on and know. probably Steve. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But because uh, it's I- iconic roles, I would probably break the ice with Steve Zahn if he came through my line at Trader Joe's. And I would <gasps> oh, say how yeah. much how much Sammy meant to me when sure. I was young. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Well, I mean, I think that uh, just about wraps it up for yeah, reality I think so. bites. Mm-hmm. 
That was a lot of fun. It was fun. Yes. Love this movie. Love revisiting it. Can watch it anytime just because it's hilarious. But right now, I think it's time. Wrap things up with some Patreon shout-outs. Yes, indeed. Some Patreon shout-outs. Thanks for listening, everybody. We are about to say uh, hello to all of our wonderful patrons. Um, Benny, our newest patron. I don't know if we personally said hello last time uh, we recorded, but we've got a new one. Yeah. Benny. So let's say hey to all of our patrons, including Benny, Jermel, Melanie, Christopher, Esperanza, Nicole, Susan, JJ, Layton, Shelby, Michael, Charlie, Muffy, Paul, ja- Jamie, Drew, Jimmy, Genevieve, Don, Joshua, Emma, Melly, Aaron, Melinda, Jim, Jessica, Nick and Shannon, Christine, and Rufino. Thank you so much. Thanks for contributing to the Patreon. Head over to patreon.com slash movies that made us gay. You can check out our watch with us commentaries. Mm -hmm. If you are a $10 member, Mm -hmm. uh, we, instead of the episode last week, we just put up our Dark Crystal commentary. Yes, that was a lot of fun. Indeed. Yeah, we had that in the can, so we were able to put that up in To go with Labyrinth. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, indeed. So, yeah, check out all the different tiers that we have and all the different uh, supplemental things that you can get over on Patreon. So we would love it if you could contribute. Any little bit helps, and thank you so much. It keeps the show up and running and, um, you know, keeps the uh, that RSS feed out there for Mm -hmm. all of you to listen. Um, We'd also love it if you you would write us a review. Yeah. Give us five stars and write some kind words. We would gladly read them on the show. Yes, indeed. I would love to read a review. Oh, that's right. We have some new ones. Yeah. Yeah. Hold up. All right. Here we go. Let's get to some brand new reviews. We always say we're going to read the reviews on, uh, on the episode. And so here they are. So this is from uh, Apple podcast user JMT88. Miles per hour, 88 MPH. This is Apple Podcast out of Great Britain. Charming, engaging, and comforting. Charming hosts, engaging guests, and a fantastic selection of films. I rewatched The Ice Storm for the first time in 15 years and had a wonderful time as a result. Fast becoming my comfort podcast. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. And this one is from Dustin Sedillo via Apple Podcasts here in the U.S. I spent much of my life outrunning the past, and now it floods all over me. Mm -hmm. Since Showgirls, 1995, I fell in love with this podcast. Every Friday while cleaning my office, I listen to Pete and Scott's anecdotes and fun trivia about the movies they cover. I find it hilarious how Scott is the one who did not grow up in L.A., yet knows where every single building and street is located. It's true. It is. Here's a question for both of you. Who is a Gene Siskel and who is a Roger Ebert? Love you guys. Oh, geez. (laughs) I mean, I said we were a little less Siskel and Ebert and a little more Siegfried and Roy. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Agreed. And our Mm -hmm. dynamic, our home is overrun by cats and we enjoy spangled jumpsuits. Mm -hmm. But but we do also love uh, going to the movies. So, I mean... We both wear glasses. Um, Roger Ebert did not have nice things to say about Reality Bites <laughs> when you read his review oh. of it. He was not a fan. <laughs> oh, no. Well, maybe he would have rethought some things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, yeah, head over to uh, Apple Podcasts to uh, write us a review. We'll read it here on an episode. Yeah. And smash five stars. Yeah. Give us five stars. You can also give us five stars on Patreon if you listen there as well. So we love that. Um you can follow us on any and all social media. We are on all of them on um, Instagram and Facebook. We are at 
movies that made us gay. Yeah. And, and MTMUG pod on Twitter. Yes, indeed. You can follow us on our personal socials if you like. Uh, my name is Pete. I am at Peter Lasagna on uh, Instagram and Twitter. I'm Scott Youngballer on Instagram and follow my letterbox. Yes, indeed. Follow, follow, follow. So thank you so much for listening, everybody. This is a lot of fun. We will see you uh, next week, probably with a guest. See you next week with a guest. Yep. We'll mm-hmm. see you soon. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye. All right, bye.